All right, folks, we're back. Kevin's Corner, uh, July 6th, a Tuesday, coming at you. And uh, like Zach Pascal is to the Colts, Ross Lubbers is to Kevin's Corner podcast. Reliable, faithful. Um, you know, he might be playing right now at December NFL status, which he might not be 100%, but his shoulder pads are on, his helmet is strapped up, and he's ready to go. Ross, happy 4th, and thank you, as always, for what you do for this podcast. Of course. Happy to be here again. Uh, thanks for having me. Regardless of my condition, I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm excited to get into uh, to the pod today. Clocking in, as always, Lover's Family Vacation. We are coming at you uh, late Tuesday morning. Obviously, sound quality, not pristine, but we know you guys gutted out just like we are right now. Um, and as always, we're sticking to one pod per week right now, three weeks from today, training camp, Grand Park, kind of crazy. I know I gave some thoughts late last week on the podcast. One thing that I'll stress before we get into today's pod um, and I, you know, you guys know full well, I'm not getting any paycheck from the Colts, but really, uh, it's unlike any team in the NFL that has access to training camp like the Colts do 19 practices at grand park, nearly a month. That's a lot longer than we've seen in years past and it's free. So, uh, that's absolutely awesome. I love it. I can't wait. And, uh, we'll be out there with coverage daily from camp. We'll have video content as well. I know a lot of you enjoy that. So we'll have daily recaps up on the site, but, um, if you missed it, the schedule's up on the website, so check that out, 1075thefan.com. Today's pod, as always, Twitter questions in July. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> uh, to say they can get a little bit uh, out there would uh, would be an understatement, so we'll, we'll hit on those, and then we're going to get into the indispensable Colts. You guys know it's an annual series that we love doing on the podcast. It's changed a little bit. Our, uh, our, our number one the last two years is now, uh, he's retired. And Anthony Casanzo. So uh, we have a new number one to get into. And before we start, uh, Ross, we have the match at 6 p.m. today. It is Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. Your pick. I can never pick Bryson DeChambeau. So going to go with Philly Goat and, and Tom Brady. Um, I think I I think I dislike Bryson DeChambeau already more than I ever dislike Tom Brady, which is wow. a that's which is a strong that's a strong statement to start a Colts podcast. I was going to say, but. from a diehard Colts fan, that's aggressive. We've got Aaron Rodgers at a 4.6 index, uh, has not broken 80 this year, it looks like. Tommy is an 8.1, and he's broken mm. 90 just a few times. So glad those two are sticking to their normal jobs Yeah, because those handicaps, I'd love to play both of them at, wow. at I thought, those scores. I thought Brady was a little bit uh, lower than that. I didn't know Rodgers was a 4.6. Yeah. And also shout out to um, – you know, certainly one of the greatest Americans of all time, Joe Chestnut, for his win. Uh, 76 hot dogs, just a specimen, an absolute athlete. Um, uh, if the Colts could get, you know, Carson Wentz to sniff Joe Chestnut level, uh, they might win 10 straight Super Bowls. So shout out to him. It was electric watching that a few days ago. Uh, the cable went out. Ross and I screamed about as loud as you can scream. You would have thought Tiger Woods was walking up the 18th hole at Augusta and CBS had pulled the plug. So Honestly we, added to the excitement. It did. We know Kobayashi <laughs> was behind that. I I, uh, I I respect that rivalry. It's Manning Brady times 10. So hope all of you enjoyed that. Let's get into it, Ross. Indispensable Colts. Alrighty, As you mentioned, now, no more Costanzo. So the person who headlines our list is DeForest Buckner. Yeah, and honestly, Ross, I think if you're just talking his own play, like it ranks right up there for me. Like I, I think he deserves that spot. But then you look around him and, you know, I, I wrote an article last week about saying he's the unquestioned leader of that D-line group. And I had a few people you know, chirping at me on Twitter. Well, he was that last year. You could make the argument it was Justin Houston, yeah. I mean, you know, who, who broke down this team uh, after pregame warmups every game. It was it was Justin Houston. But certainly Buckner was a leader last year, and, and now he is that guy. And if he goes down, I mean, shit, you're just, oh, boy, yeah. it's it, it, it's a bunch of question marks um, in terms of having that top flight guy. I think there are some intriguing names on the D line, but no one commands a double team like Buckner. No one produces like him. Um, he, he's an all pro for a reason. So um, when you need disruption out of your defensive line, I think he's deserving of the number one ranking. And again, when we say most indispensable, these are the guys you can't afford to lose. Yeah. You know, the guys you don't want to see injured. And to me, DeForest Buckner is number one on this list here in 2021. Do you think from a vocal leadership perspective, Buckner will get a C on his chest this year? Yeah, I think he should. You know, I was on with JMV last week, and we it's kind of an, another annual summer conversation. Who would you put as the four on mm -hmm. side of Lucas Oil? 
And I always say, you know that your team's not elite when you have to put the horseshoe (laughs) up on the side. You know, it's like, oh boy, come on now. We can't be saying thank you for the memories to Adam Vinatieri for a third straight year. You know, you kind of, you kind of got to take that one down. So we know Hilton is on the I-70 side. Uh, The other I-70, I'd probably throw up Leonard. And then uh, on the, uh, what is that? Georgia Street? No, South Street. South Street, Street, I'd throw up uh, uh, Nelson and, and Buckner. Yeah. And you know, I guess Carson Wentz. You know, but no, you got it. You got to prove it. Jonathan Taylor. We're gonna we're gonna need one more year. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there is a bit of vocal. I mean, it's not crazy vocal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not Leonard vocal. Uh, but there's just a presence to him that you like. Yeah. And you want to follow. Yeah. So uh, let, let's go with uh, Mr. Buckner at one. Okay. Talking about people you want to follow. Follow this man into any any street fight. Quentin Nelson. You know, it's funny, Ross, I forgot that last year I didn't put him even in the top five. Really? Which is just kind of laughable and probably shows you the state of mind that I was in. <laughs> um, I, I've got him at number two, though, and honestly, a major reason for that is the guy that is no longer next to him. Like, yeah. To me, I just look at that left side of the line, and if you lose Nelson, and obviously this is Eric Fisher dependent, we'll, we'll see if Fisher cracks this list, but um, boy, I mean, you talk about a massive hit. Um, so certainly he is an all-pro but the dip from him to Danny Pinter or Chris yeah. Reed or whoever you have there, um, it, it's not as absurd as it was last year, but it's still significant. Yeah. And it's significant because you did lose a, a really, really good player at left tackle. So um, I think your run game means so much with Nelson that that is another reason why I was such an advocate for him staying at left guard. I mm-hmm. think he's a weapon in the run game from a polling standpoint to really either side. So I have Nelson at number two. Again, last year, it was probably foolish not to have him in the top five, certainly with how the depth played out. But I thought Ryan Kelly and, and Anthony Costanzo kind of made up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought their drops from Costanzo to LaRaven Clark to Ryan Kelly to you know a rookie in Penter, I thought that was more immense than, than Nelson's drop mm-hmm. um, from starter to backup. So let's go with Big Q at number two. Oh boy, that rhymes. Big Q at number two. I'm on my game. <laughs> um, all right, moving down the list here. Uh, I'm sure this person was on your list last year. Darius Leonard. Um, he was not, he was not, he was not. Wow. Well, actually I take that back. I might've had him at five. Uh, I, I would have to look that back, but he definitely is rising. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got him at number three and Ross, this is really due to the fact that you don't have Anthony Walker anymore. Um, I think we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast Linebacker and safety, you feel great about those two starters. And I say linebacker because, you know, when you play nickel so much, yeah, it's just two. Uh, Bobby Okariki and Darius Leonard on rookie deals as of now. You know, they are um, – that's a great tandem. Julian Blackman and Kari Willis, that's a great, great tandem. They're backups. Yeah. You know, I I don't love it. So I'm going to put Leonard here and another thing that I think after three years I, I always felt like I appreciated his ball production but I see Okariki not have as much ball production and it makes me appreciate Leonard more when like you say ball production is that just nose for the football yeah around the ball all, all times yeah I would say more nose for getting the football gotcha. like just taking it away and yes I mean he's around it a whole lot and obviously makes some plays from a blitz standpoint uh, but his ability to take it away I mean it's yeah. just you can't take that for granted. And we've talked about in this defense, when you are going to be kind of a bend but don't break defense, you have to have the ability to just straight up stop some drives with those turnovers, and 53 does that. He really does it better than any linebacker in the league. As much as I don't think he's a complete rundown linebacker, he makes up for a lot of that in just what he does in finding the ball. And that's, you know, again, that's the argument when you get into Levante David, Bobby Wagner, you know, whoever else you want to throw into that top linebacker in the NFL group, Leonard might not be the first down thumper that mm-hmm. some other guys are, but when it gets second and third down, he is able to find the ball a whole lot. And you just you got to have him stay healthy. I mean, yeah. if, if Darius Leonard tears his hamstring tomorrow and he's out for a month and a half, EJ Speeds, Zaire Franklin, it's just – We'll just have to go sign someone. Right. I mean, no, that's that. That's a really good point. So it just doesn't make me sleep as well at night. So, again, w- when we do this series, depth at these positions are such a big part of it as well. I mean, Costanzo, was he the best player on this football team? No. Uh, you can make the argument he wasn't top three or top four. But when you go to Costanzo to Raven Clark, you know, that's that's – that's Tiger Woods to Kevin Bowen. You yeah. know, that's that that's a steep, steep drop. So 
Um, Let's go with the maniac at number three. Yep. The next person, which I believe would be on any team's indispensable list, is our our new QB one, Carson Wentz. Yeah, Carson Wentz here. Um, I I hear you. Uh, I hear the arguments that you can push Carson Wentz higher on this list. I acknowledge that when the backup has played as many snaps in the NFL as Ross and I, and has put on <laughs> a, a jersey in the NFL as much as Ross and I, then certainly you know, like Wentz could very well be up there. I guess a part of me is just like. If Wentz bottoms out, it's not the end of the world to see Eason in there. And, and I know that doesn't really make sense in terms of Wentz losses and, and you know, in, in the present here and now. Um, you know, last year I think we had Rivers third on the list, and that was with Jacoby having over 30 starts in the league. Um, so the fact that I only moved the QB down one spot and the backup is vastly more inexperienced, I know is a head-scratcher for some. So when I see two, three, and four on this list – it, it, it's pretty close to me. Buckner's a clear cut one. Mm-hmm. You can talk me into moving these guys up and down. Uh, but part of me is just a little bit of the intrigue with Eason. And I know that that gets people excited, you know, where, but it, it's just one of those things where um, your backup is not a placeholder mm-hmm. anymore. You, your backup does offer, some potential, like again, and and I and I pause for a reason there. Of like, it's not, you know, whatever. Mac Jones backing up Cam Newton, like yeah. it's not a first round pick, but it is a guy that I think we're all very very curious to see here in three weeks, and certainly in the month of August. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, if you're talking purely play, like if Carson Wentz is the QB, what's the win total? Uh, you know, sure. Vegas sets it at ten and a half. If Jacob Eason is the QB, your win total is five and a half. You know, like that's massive. Yeah. Uh, but again, to me, the backup here is at least someone that I'm like, all right. Yeah. Let's see what he can do. And to your point, Eason's potential is not defined yet. Right. You know, he has C- potential certainly. and that's the intrigue about it, but there's no, we don't know what that ceiling is yeah. just because we haven't seen it. You know, it's funny. I've filled in on radio quite a lot the last few weeks, and I get a question often of like, what do the Colts think of Jacob Eason? And, and folks, they think of Jacob Eason very similar to what like, fan, or I, I should say the question is more of what do the Colts know about Jacob Eason? Mm-hmm. They know about as much as the fans. Yeah. I mean, sure. Meeting room is a meeting room. But Ross, I, I, I always say this, and, and you're a great person to ask for this. You go from practice to a game. I don't think there's a position in sports that takes a bigger jump than quarterback yeah you're literally wearing a red jersey you 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 cannot get touched like (laughs) can you imagine like playing a contact sport and being like oh i'm good i'm not gonna get hit today and and yeah i mean offensive line sure you could go there um you know running back you know taking whatever 25 hits a game is a whole lot different than practice but i just think the speed the tempo Fear isn't the right word, but just the fact that, oh, shit, Aaron Donald can can hit me uh, week two versus, you know, Tyquan Lewis can't hit me. Not only that, once Aaron Donald hits you, you have to get your ass up, mm-hmm. your butt up, excuse me, and... We, we can say ass. Okay. Yeah, this, get, is a, this is a tough podcast. Okay. Come on get, now. Get your ass up and yeah. mentally get into the next play, right? And, mm-hmm. and you don't have the time to process like you do in practice right. um, after that, that hit. So, yeah. I like... Eason here at four, uh, but again, or excuse me, Wentz, uh, Wentz here at four, but I, I, I can listen to some other people. I'm moving them up. Okay. Uh, rounding out the list here, we've mentioned Costanzo a few times already, and we're going to round out the list with his replacement, Eric Fisher. Yeah, you know, the fact that his injury situation is what it is, and I think we have a Twitter question that we'll get to pretty early on this. I, I had to push him a little bit down the list, but the position still means so much, Ross, at left tackle, and your depth, it, it, has it improved? I think it has. Has it improved you know, immensely, which I know it's difficult to do in the NFL. Uh, that's why I put Fisher fifth on this list. I, The offensive line group means so much to this football team. You've invested resources into it like no other. You have to put two offense alignment on this list. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that that's where you're at, especially when your quarterback, you know, isn't Mahomes. Yeah. Um, th- that unit has to play very, very good football for you this year. And, you know, it's such a debate that we have. Why doesn't Chris Bauer make more win-now moves? You know, why is this a 10-year rebuild? You know, things like that. The Eric Fisher move, that was a let's go hoist it yeah. January 2022. Uh, February 2022, I should say. That's a win now. That's a Super Bowl thought. That wasn't Charles Leno. That wasn't Christian Darasau. It was Darasau or Quiddy Pay, 
at 21 overall. That that was the debate in that room. Um, they felt like Pay's character, I think, separated themselves. And I think in their back pocket, they always knew Fisher was, yeah, you know, a strong, strong possibility. Then they signed him what a week after the draft, and um, so I got Fisher fifth. Um, you know, I know people will throw. You know, Xavier Rhodes is a name I thought about. Ross, uh, Ryan Kelly was a name I thought about. Uh, Michael Pittman as well. What, what was a name? Um, I, I, I don't have T.Y. I, I just feel like you've got a little bit more depth at wideout. I don't know if you have enough, but um, to me, I thought uh, I thought Eric Fisher deserved to be on this list. Unfortunately, our fan base knows how indispensable that that position is. Right? Yeah, you saw our record crumble when when Costanzo would be injured. So, I mean, you and I were watching the game last year down in Florida, Ross. That yeah. that that Pittsburgh game when T.J. Watt you know, did what he did, and obviously you were missing Costanzo and Braden Smith in that game. Um, I, I as much as I think your O line depth has improved, as much as Carson Wentz is a more mobile QB, there will be times this year where. Uh, in unison, everyone yells, "Get rid of it! Get rid of it!" You know, like <laughs> yeah. you're going to get that more than you got it with with, with Phil. Yeah, um, th- that's just the nature of the quarterback. And uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see how that storyline also plays out this year. So, I'm trying to think who else I thought about. You know, K- Kenny Moore. Um, I think is another name you could put on there. He's a unique corner in that he gives you inside outside um, help there. I had Ryan Kelly fourth on the list last year. The fact that Danny Pinter started an NFL game means means a lot to me, and so that's why I don't include him on this list. But um, again, feel free if you guys want to debate that, send us some thoughts, send us some questions on that. But that is our indispensable list for 2021. Any any uh, major pushback from you on that? No, I I think I, I only one you know, and we talked about that, or you mentioned this. I I don't know if. I would have Wentz as far down mm-hmm. as you had him. I think I would maybe put him second yeah. on this list. I think it would still probably be the same five. Um, but I think I would go Buckner, Wentz, Nelson, Leonard. And Fisher. I think that is what our fan base – I'm expecting our listeners to agree with you more than me yeah. on that. Uh, my thought is, you know me, I'm always kind of one eye thinking about future too. Mm-hmm. I, and again, I had Rivers third, Jacoby – behind him obviously as the backup last year and Jacoby had over 30 starts mm-hmm. but to me it was like oh boy if Jacoby goes in the game we already know like yeah. we, we we know the story with Eason you don't know it um which uh, is risky but there is potential reward there yeah. so yeah I, I can definitely hear that and I totally get that the eye on the future but if I look at this list right you have Buckner all pro Nelson all pro Leonard all pro Fisher all pro so it's almost a win now roster mm-hmm. in that perspective. So the drop off between Wentz and Eason is, you know, like you said, five and a half wins versus ten and a half wins. You get this team in the playoff, they have a run in them, they have the roster to do that. Obviously, Eason yeah. shatters that. Yeah, super fair. Um so yeah, again, uh we'll we'll get into uh, position battles. I think on next week's podcast, coming to training camp, uh the most pressure Colts here. In 2021, we could have Ross Lubbers back on the pod <laughs> here in a couple of weeks. We'll have to see how the next a f- few minutes go. Put a little pressure on him right now. You know, he's he's on 17T. He's six over. He knows he's got to go. You know, he can only bogey one of the last two to break 80 here, um, which is big. Uh, but, yeah. Let's, Alrighty, let's get into Twitter questions. Let's do it. All right. Sticking on Eric Fisher, Ice J Hammy is the Twitter handle. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ice J. Yeah. He asks, have you heard any update on Eric Fisher and his injury and recovery? Yeah, it's funny. I got this this morning on the Fan Morning Show. I, I think we're at that time where Eric Fisher's got to get on the field, and Eric Fisher's got to. You know, I don't know if he's sparring on July twenty seventh. Certainly not. But at some time in the month of August, you've got to engage, you know, dummies on him. You've got to just engage him with certainly humans that play defensive end, and that's where you have to test out this Achilles. Um, so I, I think we're in a bit of a kind of a wait and see period here. Um, Ice J, I will say this. Or Mr. Hammy, whatever you <laughs> want to go by here. This is purely my gut, so don't you know? Don't don't take this as like educated. There's an ounce of education here. I just don't see Eric Fisher being on pup to start the year. Like I know a few of my colleagues have mentioned that, and I don't know. Maybe they've got great insight, and I don't. But I, I would just be surprised. I mean, six weeks. Yeah. I, I'd be a bit surprised by that. Again, they the Colts feel like he was ahead of Dio Adangbo. So, you know, if he's ahead of Dio, are you looking at? You know, two guys that are going to miss what ten months post post Achilles, and, and who knows? Maybe he'll get into camp, and 
you know, he'll start to engage people in blocks and whatnot, and it just doesn't go according to plan. But um, if I was guessing, I'd say the start of October. But again, that's a big, big guess for me there, and hopefully we'll find out, you know, early August. Alrighty. Hank asks, or Hank acknowledges that Malik Hooker will not be returning. He says he appears that Malik Hooker will not be returning. And he calls out that the primary reason on, from his perspective is injuries. His question is, would it be fair to consider giving him one more year to prove his value? After all, he was a first round pick. Yeah. I, I just, you know, that's the X that you just, you just both need to part ways. You know, what. We'll, we'll, where does he fit? Is, is Malik Hooker playing in special teams? Is he a core special teamer? Like, I understand. And I, honestly, I think it was somewhat civil. You know, I don't think we call Eric Ebron's breakup with the Colts civil. Mm-hmm. Just look at Eric Ebron commenting on Instagrams. Yeah. Um, I think the Malik Hooker thing is a, is a tad m- more civil. And it, it's a shame it didn't work out. Um, I will repeat this time and time again. Jim Mercer should have fired Chuck Pagano when he fired Ryan Grigson. Like, that makes no sense to me. Why you keep Chuck for one more year. Uh, when Chris Bauer sat in his office and thought to himself, why the hell are we playing a 3-4 defense? Um, and, you know, who knows? Could Hooker have fit in multiple schemes? Yeah, you would hope. Does he fit in a little bit more of a single high scheme? I think he does. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've, no, I can't see it. Now, is depth and safety a question? Sure. But to me, this is kind of just more of a somewhat civil, mutual, mm-hmm. see ya. It'll be interesting to see if he gets a starting gig elsewhere. Yeah. And you know what? When he was healthy, Ross, I don't want to act like he was, you know, dog shit. I mean, he, he was yeah. a solid, solid safety. It's just, you know, number 15 pick overall safety. Yeah. No. Moving along here, Kevin asks, hey, KB, thanks for the weekly pods. Uh, as I'm listening to this week's pod, so I think he's referencing last week, and you're, you're discussing of Jonathan Taylor. What do you think is more likely here, Jonathan Taylor to get 2,000 yards or JT and Marlon Mack to combine for both – or to each get over 1,000 yards? Mm, boy. You'd think if I create a burner, I would change my name, not to be Kevin <laughs> on saying that. Thanks for the weekly pod. Yeah. Um, I think it's JT for sure, 2,000. And now let me really hammer this home, Ross. 2,000 is a massive number. Like is that all-purpose or all, just rushing? I, I assume he means straight rushing. Yeah. Um, you know, Henry did it last year. But still, I mean, that is, whew. yeah. for both of them to go over, you're really going to have to have a Taylor injury, I think. Like, Marlon Mack is going to have to be the bell cow for five I'd, weeks. Yeah, I was going to say a month and a half. So, yeah, I mean, that's six. So, yeah, certainly you and I are on the same page there. Um, boy, I'm so, so curious to what Marlon Mack's year is going to look like. I mean, part of me says a series a half, but then I'm like, dude, Marlon Mack ran for a thousand yards two years ago and mm-hmm. hell in that opener. I know it was just six touches, but he looked like yeah. he was great. Obviously coming off the Achilles we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a slam dunk of those two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's JT over 2000, which again, I fully acknowledge 2000 is a huge number, but you, you would need some injuries to occur for JT and Marlon Mack, both to get over a thousand and Naeem Hines would have to really be scaled back too. Yeah. Um, that's a good one though. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks Kevin. Randall asks, okay, so Ryan Ramchek, I think I said that right, Ryan Ramchek, Mm -hmm. got his money. Yeah, he did. He got his money, got paid. Smith will get similar money. So he wants you to, Randall wants you to put your GM hat on and tell me what the hell you're going to do to avoid paying $60 plus to offensive linemen per year over the next five years. Well, yeah, boy, that is a lot of money. But honestly, there's, there's nothing you can do, Randall. Like, Chris Ballard is a believer in trenches. He's a believer, and that's how you're going to build. And he's a further believer now that we're going to do 17 games. He really feels like that's only grown. And this gets into our roster building belief. You know, you had Bill Polian and Ryan Grigson, and their thought process was this, which, again, Bill Polian and Ryan Grigson have probably talked, you know, three times in their lives. But anyways, both of them are on the same page in this belief. You build your offensive line internally with – Dollar General pieces. Nothing against Dollar General. I've shot there many times in my life, but you know what I'm getting at. Uh, Chris Ballard thought that initially, and then he watched Jacoby Brissett get hit 7,000 times in 2017, and he's like, screw that, man. We got to go shop at, uh, I don't know, I I feel like it was expensive, uh, Abercrombie & Fitch back in the day. Oh, wow. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even, you know me, I'm I'm Old Navy through and through. (laughs) Um, and we've seen teams do different things. You know, the, the Dallas Cowboys, how much do they invest in Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and uh, Travis Frederick and Lyle Collins? And, and that offensive line obviously didn't lead to massive team success. 
Um, so you can find Super Bowl winners that have like a variety of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of where do you fall in that category. Now, in terms of Braden Smith, I think Ramchek got five for 96. That's a big number. That's huge. He's a stud. He's the best right tackle in football. I say Braden Smith, I think five for 75. It's huge still. It's big, certainly. Um, but Randall, if this is your belief, you have to follow through on second contracts. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I get some people are like, and I, I trust me, there's some of you that are like, oh, you let Leonard walk. Oh, you let Nelson walk. I'm like, well, why, why are you drafting these guys where you do? Like, we've heard Chris talk about this. Draft and retain and homegrown talent. And I want, you know, fans walking around the concourse with, you know, jerseys on of players and all that stuff. Like, I totally understand that. Uh, but they are going to pay. And what does that mean, Randall? Draft, draft, draft. You've got to continue to draft well. And I know this is a debate that I had with one of my good friends, Franklin Thurber, um, a few days ago, and he strongly disagreed with me on that. This, I think Quentin Nelson's getting the most money ever of an offensive lineman. Ever. What ever. Is, what's that number? It, it's it, five for over 100. I, I I don't know what it is. It's, it's massive. Uh, I'm trying to think what Trent Williams got. Was it six for something absurd? But... I just think even though Quentin Nelson is playing playing guard, um, I mean, you hear Jim Irsay talk about him. He talks about how I just talked about Mr. Chestnut earlier. You know, I mean, he is obsessed with that. Six-year, $138 million for Trent. Jesus, that's massive. Oh, man, now now that when I hear that out loud, I kind of regret saying what I did. But, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by it. Uh, I think Nelson is just going to get a crazy, crazy amount. And, look – uh, leverage can go two ways. The Colts can say he plays guard and Quentin Nelson's agent can say, you drafted him six overall and he's made three straight all pros. Him and Barry Sanders are the only two to do that yeah. in the NFL. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, leverage can go two ways there. So it's not happening this off season, mm-hmm. but man, you talk about things that'll be, uh, I got a lot of things that are interesting to watch, but that's, that's one of them. Good for big Q. Thanks for the question, Randall. Moving along to Josh here, he uh, was listening to Dockage the other day, and Dockage asked Chappie a great question this week that he wants your thoughts on. So he says, let's say we miss the playoffs this year with a sub-500 record, but by season's end, our perspective has somehow shifted so that we consider the Colts a pass-oriented offense. Would we, would we still consider the Wentz experiment a success and feel good about him from the future, assuming that there's no major injuries to QB, running back, wide receiver? Wow. Um, well, uh, were there major injuries to the O-line? Yeah. I mean, holy shnikes, Josh. That is what happened to the run game. Well, <laughs> what happened to the O-line? That would be my first thought. Um, Sub-500 is bad. That's bad. I mean, that's I cannot see 8-9 where this pass offense succeeds or, you know, pass-oriented, to, to steal your phrase, Josh. Um, you know, w- when you look at the four areas, run offense – pass offense, run defense, pass defense. To me, run offense has the highest floor. Like, it's easily, easily that run game. Like, that's the thing that I think you you sleep well. So, Josh, with that record, I can't see how you would walk away with Carson Wentz being the definite answer. Like, I, I just, you know, I guess under your scenario, possibly, but, boy, yeah. I mean, did, you know, Fisher tear his other Achilles and Quentin Nelson break his leg? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I cannot see. I know we can debate record, QB, win-loss, all that good stuff, but I can't, no. Yeah. I can't do it. It would be really tough to digest. That yeah, in the season's yeah. End. I just can't. Bryce asks, can you give me one undebatable reason why I should not take Justin Taylor overall? For the Jonathan. Team? Or John, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Justin Taylor sounds like a backstreet boy. I know. Gosh, sorry about that, fans. Uh, Jonathan Taylor with the first overall pick in fantasy. First overall? That's that's yeah. I mean, bold. Does, does Derrick Henry look like me right now? Hey, like I think my one undebatable reason is Marlon Mack. Yeah, which is 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 a reason. I I would just I would say did Derrick Henry like what, what happened? I guess yeah. I mean, Derrick Henry doesn't get hurt. Like, he, yeah, he, he doesn't get hurt. Uh, you know, obviously, Dalvin Cook would be the other one. Um, now, Ross brings up a good point. The whole splitting carries. To me, I think you're at this point. I think you're at the point with Jonathan Taylor where you treat him like you treated Frank Gore 
here. I mean, Gore was the bell cow, bell cow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think Jonathan Taylor deserves. So, yes, the whole splitting of carries and spreading it around and all that stuff you hear from Frank Reich a lot, which is true, that would worry me. But, honestly, more of the debate is Derrick Henry. I mean, who yeah. the hell is the Titans' backup running back? I don't know. You know, I, I, it, I, got, I got nothing. So... Uh, and sure, you know, some people might say, oh, they're going to throw it more to Julio. But you might counter and say they're going to play, they're going to ha- have more, you know, boxes that aren't eight loaded, eight yeah. deep, you know, that they had in years past. So Titans are going to be scary. Yeah, Bryce, I, I, JT top, what, four picks, something like that for me, but uh, can't go one. Okay, Cat here has a long question, so bear with us. All right. Cat uh, says, hey, Kevin, first Twitter question from a longtime listener in Santa Clara, California. Let's go. Welcome, Cat. Across the nation. Um, love your stuff. Thanks for being my favorite indie sports dude. I appreciate that. Thank you. A point and related question. Frank Reich has been more responsible than anyone else for the Colts' past three starting quarterbacks, Jacoby, Rivers, and Wentz. Given the timing of Luck's retirement, he can be excused for Jacoby, but it seems likely that the team chose Rivers over Brady because of their past relationship and now chose Wentz over other options for the same reason. I'm a fan of Frank Reich and intrigued by Wentz, but I think it's worth pointing out Frank's influence given that he was not bat- he was not in Ballard's initial top eight candidates in the post-Pagano coaching search. Alternatively, what if McDaniels had not pulled out? Assuming Luck still retires and McDaniels were still here, does Brady choose Indy over Tampa? And if so, do the Colts win the Super Bowl? Wow. A lot to unpack. Wow. That's a lot. Cat, send in more questions. Uh, (laughs) Seriously, there's a lot there. If you can shorten them at all, please do. But still, (laughs) that was was good. Um, All right. This is my thoughts on Brady. Did Tom Brady want to live in the 317? No. Not at all. We love Indianapolis. Terrific area. Um, did Giselle want to live in right? Right. I mean, come on now. You know, you know. God bless Geist or the White River, but I, you know, it, it, it's not. <laughs> it, it's it, it's not Tampa Bay. Um, now, as we've stressed in this podcast, there is feet to the fire, and there needs to be feet to the fire. Of, um, you have made multiple decisions at quarterback. I don't think it was a Rivers or Brady sort of debate here. Um, but I do think that Frank Reich is loyal. Um, I think that that's a good quality to have mostly, uh, but there is a balance in, you know, I had a buddy of mine text me, you know, this is back in the off season of is Frank stubbornly naive. Hmm. It's, it's certainly a way to look at it. Um, you know, you can love your kids and, and, you know, be absolutely, you know, whatever they're, they're great and they can't do anything wrong and all that. But when you let that creep into business, that's, that's difficult. And so I think Frank gets that, but you know, think about his past. I mean, he is a, he's a, he's got a pastor, you know, on his resume, they have conviction, they have belief, all of that. Um, it's just part of kind of Frank Reich's DNA. The whole McDaniels Brady, I, I would still say no. I don't think McDaniels and Brady are that that close. And the Colts would not have won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, they don't have Mike Evans, they don't have Chris Godwin, they don't have that D line. Yeah. So, um, no. And, and like, let's not act like Tampa Bay just walked through the NFC. I mean, they're a Jared Cook fumble away. And of course, this is coming from someone that had the Saints to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a Jared Cook fumble away from being down two scores late in the third quarter in the Superdome. Yeah. And I know Bray, or Breeze can't throw it from you know, meet of that wall over there, but I don't know if the Saints lose that game. So um, Tampa had a really nice season, but they still had to get on a run in the playoffs. Uh, and again, Brady had a whole lot around him, yeah. especially with that D-line. So, yeah. And like you said, there's no way Brady's coming to Indy. No, I, I just, I mean, where would he live? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, Eric asks, why don't the Colts get rid of the helmet painted on the 50-yard line and replace it with the iconic horseshoe? Think how cool our field would look with just a big horseshoe in the middle of it or the retro logo with the helmet on the horse. Um, the helmet has been there since day one in 1984. Ursay always says we have the best logo in sports, so why not use it? Love everything you do for the Colts fans. Thanks, Eric, for that. Oh, boy, I need to see, like, pictures. I'm more of a visual person with this. I, I would like the horseshoe. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, now that, now that you say this, Eric, it is kind of weird that a helmet yeah. <laughs> is, is on the 50-yard line. Um yeah, Ursay certainly says the culture is so traditionalist. They're, they're so traditionalist mm-hmm. with with all of this. And and I like tradition in a lot of areas, but I do like a little bit of an open mind, especially in 2021. So 
Uh, I, I have not heard any whispers of that changing. I can't imagine it would change. But, uh, yeah, I'd like the little, um, you know, logo action on it. I agree. I think visually I'd want to see it. But I never, yeah. I never even realized that it's just a helmet. Honestly. I know. Um, honestly, the only midfield logo that comes to mind is the is the LSU Tiger Eye. Yeah. That's, that's, that's Which just true. makes me think that, like, Coach O is ready to, you know, tackle me. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Tyler asked, uh, pick your favorite non-Colts head coach, two offensive and two defensive players that are your favorite to watch and root for. And why? Oh, boy. Um, you know, Coach, I've talked about this before. I love Bruce Arians and how brash he is and how aggressive he is. Just a normal human being i'll never forget the colts christmas party one year oh it was the year he was the interim coach him just you know we're at the bar and bruce is like hey what do you want you gotta try this whiskey and i'm thinking to myself dude it's 48 <laughs> hours before you're getting ready to play a football game and you know you're acting just like the common joe uh so yeah ba will always kind of hold a little, little spot for me as far as players i really enjoy watching buda baker uh, yeah. I think he's super fun to watch. I, I enjoy watching that Cardinals team in general, and that's why I'm excited for that Christmas game coming up this year. I, I like Bobby Wagner and how he's kind of the quarterback of his defense. I, I enjoy kind of when linebackers, you know, that's why I, I love watching Luke Keekley when he played. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, way back in the day, I go with Palomalu. Oh, yeah. The hair. I know it's not a great moment for, for Colts fans. That interception that, uh, granted, was taken away. Shouldn't have been taken away, but the Colts still lost that game. Um, yeah. Who you got? You got anybody? Um, I think for head coach, I, I just am intrigued by Sean McVay. I love his energy. I love the different spin he's bringing to the NFL from a coaching perspective. Uh, defensive players. I've always liked watching Richard Sherman. I think it might be position bias because I, I just yeah. love watching corners. Um, and I love how he just it stands – toe-to-toe with anyone in the league and believes he's better uh offensive players i gotta go with nick martin oh um, here we know shout, shout out 317 <laughs> nick martin is by far the most talented center in the league so love watching how he just commands an offense um so those are probably my my picks God, i love that and, and i believe in the uh, in the vegas colors this year yeah. the the black, black and, and silver. Gold. Yeah. God, I, ab- I absolutely love that. The uh, Raiders. Give me the Chris uh, Berman. The Raiders. Just win, baby. Um, all right, Nathaniel asks, where would you rank Carson Wentz in the NFL and AFC South right now without him playing a down for the Colts he recognizes? Also rank Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner, both in the NFL and AFC South. I'm mm. assuming at their position. Okay, that's a lot. I'll go Wentz second best in the AFC South. Okay. Uh, I, I am, I'm assuming Deshaun Watson isn't playing yeah. football, but – that would obviously change. Uh, a little bit above middle of the pack for the NFL. 12th-ish, 14-ish, yeah. I don't know, 13 I don't know. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I, I'd have to look at a hard list. Uh, Buckner, one of the best in the NFL. I I, I rank Leonard first. Um, yes, again, like I said earlier, it needs to take some strides on rundowns, but when you find the ball, it kind of masks other things for me at linebacker because it's so rare. And when I'm talking find the ball, again, it's a combination of Turnovers, sacks, tackles for loss, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Brian asks, I've listened when you sat in uh, for Dan's show. While Grixon did draft Ryan Kelly, T.Y., and Luck, he also had misses. Ballard also drafted Quincy Wilson, Rakusin, Ben Banigou, Terrell Basham, Zach Banner. Having your highest paid players who don't touch the ball doesn't seem like a long-term answer for the team. We also don't know how Wentz works out, or if he even will. There was a reason why Philly let him go without charging uh, without charging much. Ballard seems to be on a 10-year rebuild. Will the temperature heat up when the Jags win the division before the Colts do? Oh, boy. At what point will Reich, Reich and Ballard be accountable for results? Or, as fans, should we be okay with okay drafts? Are the Colts offseason champions? Mm, I wonder what side of the ledger Brian's on yeah, here. No kidding. Jeez. Uh, I laughed at the Jags winning the division. And this is coming <laughs> from someone that believes in Urban Meyer. In the NFL, um, again, listeners of this podcast know that that we are we use the word accountable a whole lot, and, and it is time. Um, we we talked about it last year. The time is now to prove you can win without Andrew Luck. You won eleven games. That's that's pretty good. Uh, now the time is here to win a division and win in January. This is not a hard division, folks. Like this is one of the easier divisions in football. Um, arguably the easiest division in football. I mean, obviously the NFC East could probably take that crown, but. Yeah. Um, this is one of the easier ones and it's here, you know, it's, it's just wild to think that 
you know, you're approaching eight, nine years um, without winning a division, without having a home playoff game, like things like that. We're not used to that, certainly in our lifetime, for a lot of Indianapolis Colts fans that are, you know, under the age of 30 or 35, something like that. So um, this is a prove it time. This is an absolute prove it time. I know that the. I've made this analogy before, you know, I didn't have seat warmers in my car until, until a few years ago, but you know, we're not going like level three on the seat warmer, but the seat warmer's on yeah. and, and it's on when it's 90 degrees outside. And like, you know, it's the NFL. This isn't, you know, CYO camp. So, um, gotta win the division, gotta win some games in January or else you should be on the hot seat. I yeah. mean, that's just, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Frank Wright and Chris Bauer have done a lot of good, but it's a bottom line business. And you haven't gotten it done enough for the standard that Jim Mercer has created and wants this organization to be at. And fans should want that. And fans should believe that their organization is capable of that. So, yeah, accountability is here, Brian. You, you don't need to worry about it. Alrighty. Randall, um, I don't know this is Randall's second question of the pod or a new Randall, um, but Randall acknowledges it's slow time in football land. So here's his uh, July question, his okay. early July all question. Right. This, could be, this could be interesting. He wants an all-time Colts dodgeball team. Mm. Um, so you need seven guys. Who are they? He his, his opinion is Luck and Carson are obvious for me, but other QBs may get smoked by a good ball because they can't move. Jacoby, wouldn't, Jacoby just wouldn't throw the ball over the line. So oh, Randall. Uh, and then he says, keep coming or keep it up with the content through the dog days of summer. Shout out to Chris Presley. You guys are dope. Oh man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Randall shout out to Chris Presley. He'll be back next week on the pod. Um, frankly, Jacoby's got a cannon. I want him on my dodgeball team. Yeah. Like seriously. I mean, he's got a rocket. So maybe Eason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, boy, I get a lot of big arm QBs. Um, all right, let, let's go present day Colts. I want Leonard. I, I called Ross, Zach Pascal earlier. Ross Lubber's a very solid dodgeball player, <laughs> borderline uh, great dodgeball player. Um, I want Naeem Hines. I mean, we all oh, we yeah. all watched him flipping the end zone. Can yeah, you imagine him diving, you know, getting yeah. out of balls? Uh, so if I got seven on this year's team, I'm going Wentz, Leonard, Pascal, Hines. Let's go Pittman. Um, Julian Blackman and Kenny Moore. Yeah. I, don't think I, I just think those are athletes. Yeah. I think those are athletes. If I'm going in, uh, uh, if I can dial it back, Randall, let's go with Bobby Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Bob Sanders, too. Yeah. Did you say EJ Speed is just a specimen? Yeah, he is. That, uh, that's a great point. He is a specimen of an athlete. Uh, don't know about his arm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, yeah. I actually really like that team. I don't know if. I really like that team. If I can take them to some sort of dodgeball camp or competition, yeah. I like that team. I hope I'm not missing anybody. Dodgeball finals in Las Vegas. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gary has a long one here. So we, we, we got two more, folks. Yeah, two more. Uh, Gary says, apologies in advance for the question in the form of a novel. Uh, this is for you and Chris. So Chris can chime in next week. And seemed like a good off-season question. So for Colts and Vols. Uh, so oh, yeah. For, so Chris, Colts, a big Tennessee volunteer yeah. fan. For Colts, Vols, and Indy, one, ideal – this is the first question. One, ideal food and beverage for the games. I found, I'm fond of wings and fireball whiskey after each TD, which explains his gibberish tweets during the game. So okay. that's the first one. Let's start so there. Sh- should we start there? Yeah. Okay, ideal food and beverage for the games. Um, You know, for my Irish Ross, I'll have a beer or two, but I'm not eating during the game. Mm. I can't commit myself to the toilet at, at any point during the game. <laughs> the, like, I, I just – I'm too nervous to consume food. Um, you can't be worried about that. So for me, I'll eat before. I'll eat after. The halftime, I might enjoy a little time on the toilet. But I, no, I, I can't get too caught up in food. And I know that's sac- sacrilegious, but I, I no, I can't do it. Yeah, Fireball whiskey's a very aggressive play. During wow, that sounds like you're a Tennessee volunteer fan <laughs> with how that program's been. here lately. Sorry, Chris Presley, that, yeah. that was not a shot at you. But, uh, dude, SEC. You know, yeah. there's different animals. Yeah. What What are you, uh, Colts games on, what's Ross Lubbers eating and drinking? I don't eat either. Um, I, I would say that if I'm, if I eat anything, it's more of like a tailgate style before. Okay. Um, I do love eating wings on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, or Saturday if, it, if, uh, if my Hoosiers are playing. Um, but yeah, I would just go with a couple Coors Lights. Yeah. Um, Maybe an IPA, depending on the, mm, the nice. time of year. Yeah, yeah. A little brisk fall air, get a nice IPA in you. Yeah. All right, his second one is apparel. 
uh, is the question. So on Saturdays, he's sporting his IU stuff. Um, if they're playing uh, and the Knowles, sounds like he's a Florida State fan. So Jeez, if they're Gary, playing, the, you're just fans <laughs> of everybody. Yeah. If they're playing at the same time, I mix both. Colts week one is the TY home jersey, uh, then move into crucial catch wearing during the month and salute to the service. Wow, he's honest. Wow. Kevin, I noticed during your Instagram live, you don't seem to be sporting Colts stuff. Yeah, I don't. You know, I'm trying to be objective here, so I uh, can't be rocking too much Colts gear. I don't have any, uh, any uh, what, Cloney Dungy or Tuba Guy gear. I'm trying to think of the other diehard Colts fans out there. I do rock a nice Notre Dame shirt. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've got a, I've got a couple in the closet there. I know you have a good IU go-to polo. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a Colt jersey? I don't. Um, I, you know, if I'm at home, I have a Colts hoodie that, yeah. I'll, that I'll throw on. Um, but not really a big uh, apparel, like apparel is not really a superstition thing for for me. Um, uh, we need you to be honest. Have you ever painted your face? For no, a I've never painted my face. Okay, that's ever. okay. We know where his fandom lies, folks. Yeah. We thought, you know, we thought he was going to par the last two to break eighty, but no, <laughs> he just went five five, and he's going to think about that. Uh, if it if that's what it takes to return <laughs> on this pot, I'll paint my face for a Colts game this year. We might go chest. Yeah. Never know. Anything else from Gary? Um, yeah, sorry. So he has two more. Uh, so third is any game day superstitions. He says that he has to wear stuff uh, on away day, or he has to wear away stuff on away days and home stuff on home days. Holy shnikes. And drink out of his team's glasses during the games. You know, boy, Ross, you are superstitious. I am not. Shout out to Mrs. or Mr. Zadonis back in high school golf days who made voodoo dolls of our opponents. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not superstitious. I just believe in jinxes. So are you one of those like, hey, we changed seats and no. they just scored? No, get no. back in your seats. No, 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 not at all. Um, but I believe you can speak things into existence, which you've done a few times on this pod. Um, <laughs> all right, last one from Gary. Don't this wish, could be it for Ross. <laughs> don't wish the Colts would do an alternative or throwback uniform. That's yes. His question. Don't you wish? Yes. Um, trusting that you both had a happy Independence Day, and thanks for being my Desert Island pod. Uh, thank you, Gary. In all seriousness, your loyalty second to none, so appreciate that. Uh, and happy 4th to everybody out there. Hope they had a safe and uh, patriotic 4th. Uh, yes, throwback. Dude, give it to me. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not saying every week, but give it to me once a year. Mm-hmm. Alternate color, something. I know the Thanksgiving ones I really liked a few years ago. Well, I guess a lot of years ago. What was that? Falcons or Lions? I kind of forget the game now, but... Uh, I hate the color rush. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, it's just like you know, you just like a Smurf. Really, mm-hmm. give me a little, you know, throwback logo, maybe an off blue. Some of those black jerseys I see, I absolutely love. Yeah, give me like a Johnny Unitas series. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I know Johnny U hates the Indianapolis Colts because they moved from Baltimore, <laughs> but seriously, give me some. Uh, I don't know. I'll call them the Raymond Barry jerseys. Yeah, give them to me. All right, last one here from Matt. Hey, Kevin, I listened to the segment with you and Mike Wells on the Dockage Show yesterday, and I love the golf talk about great courses in Indiana. A question I have for you maybe next week's pod, if you could sneak it in, would be the top three least favorite courses in Indiana. In Indiana. I'm a golfer on a budget, so I would be curious if I've played any of those that you haven't liked. Keep it up, man. Appreciate the content. Well, thank you, Matt. Boy, uh, here goes any chance of getting on these golf courses. Um. The golf course I hate the most in Indianapolis is Maple Creek over on the east side, um, which I feel bad because one of my former high school teammates, I think, like runs it or is like the GM there who's a great individual. But I, I just can't stand the golf course. Just way too tight, way too funky holes. And sure, I probably never played well in high school there. So that's where a bit of my biased venom comes from. Mm-hmm. Hate Maple Creek. I know, Ross, you've played here a lot. I can't stand Saddlebrook. I'm like, did they fit 13 golf holes or did they fit 18 <laughs> golf holes in property for – 12 golf holes like what i mean but you know what we should be grateful for public golf courses and inside of 465 so i should be grateful for saddlebrook um yeah those are the two that come to mind what else i i think south grove for me oh love south grove yeah see south grove for me is i think i hate it because it always gets the best of me yeah it's a course that i feel like i should go out and shoot sub 80 consistently but it always gets the best yeah, of me. sneaky those two par fours in the back nine 13 yeah, 14 are long got 15's got the tabletop green yeah i believe i saw a video of a car on south grove's golf course the other yeah, day I, I saw that too police officers got god bless the grove yeah i think if uh if i'm gonna get my butt kicked my ass kicked by a golf course yeah i will i want to pay money to get my butt kicked i don't want to that's fair you know i, I don't want to go pay 15 dollars at south grove and leave with a 92 um, so I'd probably go South Grove, but Matt, if you're looking for budget and good golf, cause that's such a negative question. Uh, 
I think Twilight Raid at Trophy Club is the best deal in the city. Cannot cannot beat it. Shout uh, out Trophy Club. Unbelievable. Uh, I think Fox Prairie and Noblesville is an underrated course if you're willing to drive a little bit. Uh, Indy, it's tough. I think Smock on the south side is is sneaky solid as well. Um, we played Sarah Shank the other day. Oh, the Shanker. The Shanker. Yeah. Not bad. I, I, I used think, to play there. Yeah. yeah. It's got some elevation. That and uh, its sister course. Um, Pleasant uh, Run. Pleasant Run. Mm-hmm. Those are three if you're balling on a budget. You're right. going to have a long round, but... Um, yeah, not, not bad. Not bad tracks. I mean, there's nothing better than Coffin. You know, you know, I, I keep my yard probably in better shape than Coffin keeps their golf course in shape. But still, I mean, you talk about layout, nothing like Coffin. Yeah. The 10th and 18th tee shots of Coffin literally are the hardest. They'd be the hardest tee shots on the PJ Tour. I uh, yeah, I mean, Coffin is bang for your buck. Can't beat Coffin. Cannot beat it. Um, for those of you that made it through the end of the. <laughs> Uh, golf pod part of it. Uh, thank you. God bless you. I appreciate that. Ross, any last thoughts? Um, I, in the last uh, few uh, podcasts, I've given a lock. Oh, a betting lock. Here we go. Um, I think my lock is Italy to go through to the Euro finals. Wow. That's big time. That's my lock fans. Shout out to Nicholas. Gone three and oh on these, on these locks. Are time. you? Yeah. Okay. So, well, I mean, for those that are listening, you got to get this in by 3 p.m. Eastern. So I got to get this podcast up quick. So you, uh, tomorrow's game is England, Denmark, Ross. Can we get a pick there for those that are listening Gosh, on Wednesday? I, I find myself rooting for England because, you know, they just haven't been there in so long and I appreciate their fan base, but Denmark's the feel good story. Oh yeah. Um, the guy almost died. Yeah. I think I'm my, my betting instinct is taking england but i i think i'm going to be rooting for denmark yeah we took denmark a few days ago and i said if they win i would name if we have a second kid dane bowen and if we win or if we potentially have a third kid denise bowen um <laughs> to honor the danes so shout out to denmark that is where my rooting interest is um all right ross we could see you in a couple weeks so we'll put your feet to the fire maybe then for an over under on colts wins but as always gotcha. Uh, you come out of the bullpen and get out of a jam. So thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, it. We've got a round of golf potentially tomorrow. Will you be breaking 80, Ross? Yes. That's confidence. I love that about Ross Lovers. I'm Kevin Bowen signing off. Everybody, hope you had a great fourth. Uh, if you're enjoying time away, please do. And we'll be back next week on Kevin's Corner.